A warm welcome from wherever you are listening today. I'm Hayden Adoni. Joining me is Duncan Song, and we are the Any Given Monday podcast. Welcome, Dunk. Yeah, thanks, Nads. Guys, I want to apologize first and foremost for, for not putting out an episode last week. As Nads tweeted, um, I was too busy being Harvey Specter, and I was caught in a trial. So I uh, didn't get a chance to record an episode, so I apologize for that. Thank you for sticking with us. Um, but Nads, plenty to talk about in the NFL this week. Heaps of upsets. We've got... You know, injuries left, right, and center. Um, a lot of big names copying their losses and uh, some other off-field stuff as well to talk about. Yeah, look, it really started sort of a few days prior to, to the, the week games happening because the American president, um, Donald Trump, he seemed to annoy quite a few of the, the players. Yeah, so we've got a, a situation now where we, we've got uh, a lot of players um, up in arms and figuratively in arms. Um, well, sorry, literally in arms. Uh, we've got protest nads. They're, they're taking a stand, or as it is, they're taking a knee um, against the uh, what Trump's come out and said. Yeah, look, I'm a little bit confused about it. I mean, I, I'm not going to get political and I'm not going to discuss the policy. Um I think what people need to differentiate, though, is that on one hand, you've got the protest originated when it was regarding the inequality regarding black lives being shot by police when it wasn't justified. So that's where the, the whole protest, that's where it all started. And Trump, he's interpreted, at least by his Twitter comments as a lack of respect towards the country, towards the flag, and it's been taken completely out of context. And it's now become a bigger spectacle than, than what, it, what it originated, what it originally was. Um, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I think we need to understand where like this whole protest has started and we need to understand the meaning behind it all because there's, there's a lot of serious... Um, serious discussion going on about that that's for sure oh there certainly is and as as you said i don't really want to get political i don't um this isn't really the right place to do that um and you know me i don't really care for politics at all anyway so i'm going to try and steer clear of that but there were some really cool things that came out of all of this um i really liked the photo that went around of shard khan the owner of the jags um that was powerful locking arms with his players that was great um, that that set a ten, uh, it was a bit of a trendsetter because then we saw on Monday Night Football we saw even Jerry Jones taking a knee. Yeah. So yeah, um, Shard Khan started that. The other powerful image that came out for me um, was Alejandro Villanueva from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, for those of you that didn't know, he's a uh, used to serve in the Marines, I think it was, or definitely in the Army, but I think it was the Marines. Um, and the Steelers came out and said before their game that they would remain in their locker room for the national anthem. Uh, and Villanueva came out and stood in the players' race by himself for the national anthem, which I thought was, um, yeah, really emotive and quite powerful in its own way. 
Yeah, look, and he's also, um, as per how he's been going throughout his entire career, whenever his jersey gets sold, the proceeds from it that he receives goes directly back into the, um, I'm pretty sure it's back into the Marine Corps or it's back into um, charity, some sort of charity regarding like um, war war sort of proceeds. Yep. Um, it's, it's, it's very... Look, this kind of stuff, it opens your eyes... And when you've got the NFL is such a look, it's it's massive. It's got so many, such a large following. So you, as one of the players, you have the power to do so much good. And it's, I think it's good that we saw so much awareness being raised over the past weekend because clearly some comments have gone over the top, and the players have definitely um, they've taken a stand against against what they don't believe in and they've taken a stand for what they believe in really no you're spot on um my only concern now is that it goes too far um it's one of those as you said they're they're in a a unique unique position where they can convey these these messages that and, and spread awareness which is fantastic but at the end of the day i don't want it to detract from the football I, no, the, exactly. the awareness is raised the message is out there that's fantastic but at the end of the day you're still there to play football let's play football another another little tidbit that came from like this past week's games um, usually it's not custom for the NFL to play the anthem um, on TV mm-hmm. prior to the games and every game this week all the producers picked up the the anthem for each individual game because they knew that it was going to provide a spectacle one way or another uh, it's going to be interesting if they, they continue that going forward, at least for the next few weeks, because I don't think this is going to go away anytime soon. No, I tend to agree, and we'll just have to wait and see how it all unravels and how it all unfolds, but hopefully the, the positives that can come out of this um, outweigh the negatives. But with that, Nads, I think we should actually dive into some proper football talk now. What about you? Yeah, mate, we're a football podcast. Let's get into it. All right, so as we've said, we're going to start, before we get into the games, we're going to start with the injury report. And it's slightly longer than last time because obviously we missed last week. So what I've done, I've tried to limit it to just, you know, the big names that people might actually care about um, more so than your your obscure guys or your second stringers and, and that sort of thing. So I've tried to keep it just to big names, but I'm just going to race through them as quick as I can. Nads, if you've got anything that you think is relevant, feel free to dive in. Um, so we're going to start off Dion Buchanan from the Cardinals. He didn't play against the Cowboys, but he's day-to-day with an ankle, so he should be back for next week. Um, Julio Jones, he's questionable with a back injury, but Dan Quinn has come out and said he's not concerned about his availability. So if you've got him in fantasy, don't worry too much. Um, Ricardo Allen, he left the game against the Lions with a concussion. He's questionable. Um, he's in the concussion protocol, so we'll have to see how that um, unfolds. Kelvin Benjamin from the Panthers, he injured his left knee. He's had an MRI that shows no structural damage, but he's questionable for New England next week. Um, Thomas Davis, he left the game against the Saints with uh, a rib injury. He's also questionable. Uh, Tyler Eifert from the Bengals, he's had a back injury, um, and he's going to miss multiple games, but surgery is not required. It's not as serious as last time, so hopefully he'll be back in a few weeks. Um, Miles Garrett from the Browns he didn't play against Indianapolis he's listed as day to day so he should be hopefully back soon Um, Sean Lee uh, hurt his hamstring against Arizona he's listed as questionable 
Um, David Bakhtiari and Brian Balaga, both of the starting tackles from the Packers, they've both been limited in training and they're both listed as questionable for next week. Balaga's got an ankle injury and Bakhtiari's carrying a hamstring problem. Uh, Vontae Davis is scheduled to practice this week, but he's questionable to play. Andrew Luck, he's may start practicing this week, but he's been ruled out for the game. I wouldn't expect him back until week six. Uh, and Kamar Aiken left the game against the Browns with a concussion. He's in the concussion protocol. Cairo uh, Santos, the kicker from the Chiefs, he's been placed on IR with a groin injury. Um, Melvin Gordon from the Chargers, he's got a knee concern. Anthony Lynn has said he's sore and questionable, but they think he'll play. Uh, on the Chargers, Mike Williams, he's getting closer to finally getting his, day to, uh, his debut. He's now listed as day-to-day, and he is practicing, so that's positive signs for the Chargers. On the negative front, Jason Verrett, he's been placed on IR with, an, with a knee injury. Uh, moving along, we've got Sam Bradford from the Vikings. He's listed as doubtful. Um, Mike Zimmer says they're not sure he'd practice this week, so I, I don't think he'll play. Um, Donta Hightower from the Patriots, he's still out with that knee problem. Didn't play versus the Texans. Um, Olivier Vernon, he's had x-rays on his ankle that have come back negative, but he's still officially listed as questionable. Uh, Michael Crabtree, the chest injury, officially questionable, but he travelled back with the team, so he should be okay. Um, in more negative news, Darren Sproles, he's been put on IR. He broke his arm and tore his ACL on the same play, Nads. It's just absolutely brutal. Yeah, really. A shot, like, oh. yeah, you, just to have, like, two major injuries like that. Yeah, so he's done for the year. Um, I, I don't think that's ever happened. No, or I... at least, I, I can't remember it. I've been following, like, Football of the better yeah. part of fifteen years now. I I haven't ever heard of that. Not not, but particularly not two really distinct injuries like a, a broken arm and a knee. They're completely separate parts of your body. Exactly. When you you can see like a knee gets blown out and then you see the meniscus yeah. gets torn as well. But um, not to see the both the ACL and then like just another obscure injury uh, oh. on another extremity of all things. Yeah. So we wish him the best in his recovery. Um, Moving along, Fletcher Cox, also from the Eagles. He had a calf injury against the Giants. He's questionable. Um, Stephon Chua, who we talked about in the last episode with that biceps injury, he was inactive for the Bears, but he's now listed as day-to-day. Mike Mitchell, he's got a hamstring injury. He's questionable. Doug Baldwin from the Seahawks with a groin. uh, Day-to-day heading into the Colts, but he's officially listed as questionable. So we'll have to see what happens. Um... Nearly done, Nads. Levante David from the Buccaneers. He's out for a month with a high ankle sprain. TJ Ward, their free agent signing. He left the game with the first the Vikings with a hip-slash-quad injury and is officially questionable. Um, Brent Grimes, day-to-day with a shoulder but was inactive against the Vikings. Gerald McCoy, limited with an ankle injury all week. Uh, officially questionable, but he... He played, but he was limited in, in what he actually managed to do, so we'll have to monitor that. Uh, Corey Davis, he's had a hamstring problem. He's officially questionable, but Mike Malarkey came out and said he has a shot at playing against the Texans. Um, And similarly, Derek Henry, he had a thigh problem, but they expect him to be ready for week four as well. Uh, And finally, we got the Redskins players. Rob Kelly, he's got ribs. Uh, Of course he has ribs, but he's got a ribs injury. (laughs) Uh, He's officially questionable. Jay Gruden said that he'll be the number one running back when he's healthy. So for all you fantasy owners, keep that in mind. Um, Jordan Reed's day-to-day with a chest injury. They expect him to be limited in training this week, but 
Um, we'll see how he goes. And lastly, Samaj P. Ryan is day to day with a bruised hand. Man, it's you might as well just list every single player in the league. It's crazy how many we're three weeks in. That's yeah, and, and as I it. said, that's only the big names. Exactly, and it really is a case of if you get one injury right, as a player, you either you're either going to go on IR because they don't you can, you can't afford to have many players like just be inactive due to injury, or you have to play through it. There, there's like that, those are your two options. Yep. It's, it's really that simple. So I would go as far to say by the end of the season, 95% of players, if not higher, are playing through a significant injury. Yeah, I think so. And it- like, I, I, I'll just, I want to give an example. You know, like I'll go back to 2015. I think it was 2015. Charles Woodson, he um, dislocated his shoulder, um, did quite a bit of like damage to the rotator cuff. Now, any... Like most players would go on IR for it, you know. And to give you a comparison, um, in the NRL, which is rugby league back in Australia, um, one of the star players in rugby league, Jonathan Thurston, he he did a similar injury, and they said, "Look, you need to have surgery immediately. Um, you're going to be out for the next like six to six to twelve months, depending on how the rehab goes." So he missed more or less the entire season. So what Woodson did is Woodson didn't miss a single game. Now, it's that kind of toughness which embodies the whole, the whole atmosphere of the NFL. Mm. And, and you, it's, it's just mental. Yeah, you sort of look at it and go, the guys that aren't playing uh, must be seriously hurt. You know, yeah, because they're the, all tough. Yeah, exactly right. With that, and with that expectation, you know, they're going to play through stuff. To see them actually out injured, they must be seriously hurt. But we hope they're uh, they're all well on the way with recovery. Um, and I, my heart goes out to Darren Sproles. That's really brutal. So I hope he's uh, going all right and his recovery goes smoothly. Alrighty, Dunk, let's move on to the games that were played in week three. There's quite a few upsets this week. Yeah, plenty of upsets, Nads. It, uh... It uh, made picks harder this week, but we'll get to the picks in a minute. Um, where do you want to start, mate? Well, we've got to start with Thursday night. It was probably the most entertaining Thursday night game that there has ever been in Thursday night football. The Rams getting over the 49ers, 41-39. to 39. Yeah, and the, the thing that really got me was that nobody thought that it would be. Like, everybody just expected this is not going to be worth your time to watch. No, it was an absolute ripper of a game, and it was just an, a shootout. Like neither side was playing D the entire game. And we look at a guy like Todd Gurley under Sean McVay. Gurley has completely rejuvenated himself as a player, and he's looking like the guy um, when he came out of college. Yeah, um, I, I think my biggest takeaway from this is that, I mean, I understand that you know divisional rivals that always changes things, but I can't get a read on either of these teams. I, I watched uh, look, the Rams play against the Colts and was like, yeah, okay, they, they battered us, but it's the Colts. And then I watched this game against the 49ers and they're barely getting over the line. And the 49ers aren't exactly the best team going around either. So I really don't know what to, what to think. Yeah, I thought it was interesting looking at the way, at least the demeanors of both coaches, both the first-time head coaches, both are two offensive gurus. And to me... Just the way that the Rams played, I always felt like they were in control and the 49ers were always playing catch-up. 
And I don't know, there's just something... Uh, I like the way that Sean McVay has... He seems to have things like certainly on the right track in Los Angeles. And like as we'll discuss later on in your slam dunk, Los Angeles needs all the positivities that can <laughs> come its way right now. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. Um, but I'm still not convinced on, on the Rams doing any damage this year but we'll see what happens going forward uh, definitely not this year no alright let's move on so we'll go to the the game in London yeah so it was the, f- the first one in London for the year and man I watched the first half of this game and then I went to bed I had to turn it off I uh. couldn't watch it anymore it was an absolute beat down like you know that you are playing absolutely terrible when Blake Bortles is looking like Tom Brady out there yeah well here's the thing Nads if you um you go to the box score for this game and and you look at the Baltimore Ravens quarterbacks and the best player listed there is not Joe Flacco. And then somebody tells you that he's not injured either. Yeah. Uh, He got benched. He was bad. It was was one of the worst games that I've seen in many years. The Ravens just looked completely inept. The Jags were doing literally whatever they wanted. And... I was just amazed because they were doing so many short routes, um, the Jags were, to the running backs. And it was obvious that Bortles was checking down after his first read um, wasn't there. So he was going straight away down to the running back like instantly after drop, um, dropping into into his step. And I just I couldn't understand why the Ravens weren't able to pick it up because Bortles was getting like seven and eight yards on these checkdowns every single time, and there was just nothing that Baltimore could do about it. But look, in the end, you could even possibly argue that the Ravens' D was just gassed because Flacco gave them absolutely nothing on offense. It it, it was an this abomination. Was, this, this was his stat line, Nads. Eight completions on 18 attempts for 28 yards, no touchdowns, and two picks. Yeah, it, it was bad. That it it was as bad terrific. as I've seen Flacco, and well, he's had some shockers. There's one other thing I want to talk about from this game, or, or the Jags in general, actually. Jalen Ramsey. He's a beast. Do you know what the uh, opposition passer rating allowed on him is this season so far? I, off the top of my head, I want to say it's about 39.2. Oh, flattering. Uh, no, it's it's it's... Surprising, actually. It's 9.8. Jeez. This is his stat line so far yeah. through, through week three per pro football focus. Uh, 14 targets, four yeah. catches, 26 yards, one pick. Yeah, that's beastly. He is a machine, man. Um, and that Jags defense at its best is scary. At its best, it's very good. But, I mean, like, I'm not going to look at that game and say, oh, okay, the Jags are for real. They've got a very easy schedule this year, so they could be in contention for a wildcard spot. They could even potentially win the South. The South's that bad this year. The South is awful. Um, but they remind me a lot of like this, the Texans last year. They've got a very good D. They don't really have an offense that's going to carry them. And at the end of the day, do you really trust Blake Bortles in a playoff game? I nope. don't. <laughs> you do not. Let's move on. Yep. So we've got the Broncos playing the Bills. We saw a bit of an upset there. I don't think anyone expected the Bills to to steamroll the Broncos the way they did. No, that one really surprised me. Um, Trevor Simeon has been playing out of his skin uh, to this point in the season. And, you know, he he wasn't awful. um, But, you know, two picks is not great. Um, 
certainly not to the same standard that he was at prior to this week. So I think that has a part to do with it. Um, I'm I, amazed that Tyrod Taylor just shredded shredded the Broncos' D. I must admit that also surprised me. Um, again, it's it's one of these seasons where it's really hard to get a read on teams. It, it, yeah, it's just. No, I completely agree. Like, if we go to our next game, we've got the Steelers and the Bears, and like the Bears <laughs> winning that game in overtime. I don't think anyone would have picked Chicago no. going into that game. It's, no. one, it's just one of these seasons that we really don't know what's going on right now. No, and it's it's making picking and and gambling, if you're that way inclined, really really difficult. Um, as you said, nobody is going to pick the Bears uh, in that situation. The the Steelers' offense is just phenomenal um but i think you know you look at it closely and you sort of go well okay antonio brown is doing antonio brown things that's what he does levy on bell's not levy on bell's not doing levy on bell stuff and you look at the rest of the supporting cast martavis brian hasn't really had the impact that people maybe thought he would Um, well let's let's talk about brian there because i think it's very unrealistic for a guy to have 12 months off to be like Look, he's a very young player, and then for them just to expect that he's going to come back seamlessly and be a stud, I don't think it's realistic. And I would go as far to say right now, the Steelers have a few problems. They barely got over the Browns in week one, and we put it off as an anomaly because, okay, it's week one, Le'Veon Bell still, it was his first game back, Martavis Bryant's first game back. This is week three. They've still got major issues going on. I am not sold on Pittsburgh at all right now. No, they're certainly going to have to do some work uh, to fix it. Um, but I'm just really interested to see what happens uh, you know, with this offense. Historically, when they've managed to have Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and Martavis Bryant all on the field at the same time, they are on world record-beating numbers, like pace, sorry, world record-beating pace in terms of numbers. Um, and so far this season, we haven't really seen any of that. No, not at all. Uh, moving on, we've got the Falcons. They, they won a bit of a thriller against Detroit, 30-26. to 26. Controversial, Nads. But yeah, very. Uh, the Falcons stay undefeated and they, they stay top of the power rankings for most people. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, I think Detroit are a pretty good side, to be honest. I think it's a really good win by Atlanta. You know, the, uh, Atlanta, even though they lost Kyle Shanahan, their offense is still humming. I yep. mean, like they, they demolished Green Bay last week. Yep. And um, the, like to, to go into Detroit, who I, I rate quite a bit, to go in there and beat them, I think that's a that's a fair effort. Well, I couldn't believe that Detroit were as substantial underdogs as they were last week against the Giants. That really... I just could not fathom how that was a thing. Because um, I'm a bit with, like you. I think Detroit are actually quite, quite strong this year. So as you say, to go into Detroit um, and, and come away with a W, that's a huge effort. Matt Ryan, three interceptions, though. That's not normal for him. He's usually quite uh, quite efficient with the ball. Yeah, no, it's not ideal at all. I mean, um, they're not going to be able to get away with that going forward. He definitely is going to need to to cut down on those. But, I mean, like, you look at their running game. Um, Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman both had good games. Devontae, 21 carries, 106 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, they're able to move the ball at five yards a carry. They're going to be able to have the offense clicking and... I mean, you've got Julio Jones, Tevin Coleman, 
Freeman and Ryan, that's a, that's a pretty good core four right there. Yeah, no, it certainly is. And I think they're justifiably at the top of most people's power rankings at this point. Yeah, and I mean, like the NFC, it's one of those where... Oh, it's a crapshoot. Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a crapshoot. And at, I think at the moment, it's definitely Atlanta's to lose. Yeah, I think so too. Well, we got to move on to the, the Colts game. Oh. Yeah, you had a, had a bit of life this week. Mate, I, I, for those of you obviously not going to be fully aware of what we were talking about last week with no podcast but i called it early in the week that the colts are going to get up this week and i'm glad they proved me right and that we're not quite as terrible as the browns interestingly for me nads um jacoby Brissett was very good um and it's it's good to see him getting more and more of the ball uh sorry more and more of the playbook and you can see him getting more and more confident and and um uh, i guess comfortable with his receivers um, the interesting thing for me, though, was the Colts were up, uh, I think it was 20, 28 to 14 at halftime, if I'm correct. It's still at three-quarter time, it was yeah, 28 to 14. We, we were dominating, but we didn't make any changes in the second half. We didn't fix uh, anything, made no adjustments. We got very conservative. I'm going to put that down to Jacoby Brissett being, um, you know, not having, obviously, the full playbook yet and that sort of thing. Um but it was concerning that we let, allowed them back into the game at the end because we just stayed conservative. We didn't make any adjustments um, after halftime. So if I keep seeing that going forward, I'm going to be concerned. Yeah, look, there's not, not much really uh, to discuss there. I mean, it was two pretty pretty poor teams going against each other. I mean, the Colts won. It's, it's a good result for them. Um, just, Brissett, he looked the part. Yeah, he, he did. Part. Let, let's see how he goes when they get a bit more film on him. Yeah. Um, um, I would point out, though, don't slouch on this Colts run defense. For the first time in a long time, we've actually got a good run defense, which is just, uh, as a Colts fan, after having to sit through years of watching people just stroll through the middle of your defense, it's very refreshing. No, you need it as a building block, so definitely a good start. Let's go to the next one. We've got an NFC showdown here between Tampa and Minnesota. I don't think anyone would have seen this one coming. No, and I was... Yeah, at least not in the way that the result came, because no one would have expected Case Keenum nah. to, to go for twenty five of thirty three for three hundred and sixty nine yards and three touchdowns. Nah, and if you tell me, you know, going into this game, the the, the Vikings have Sam Bradford at home, um, I'd probably say, yeah, okay, the Vikings are probably going to win that. Um, and if you told me the score was thirty four seventeen, I would have been like, okay, that's probably a little bit more than I expected, but I wouldn't be like shocked. But with Case Keenum at quarterback, I was genuinely just blown away. Yeah, I was I was very surprised. Um, Stefan Diggs, he has gone up another few levels yeah. so far, and he's looking like a like a superstar. Well, the Vikings have had Case Keenum at quarterback for two games now, and Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen are number two and number three in terms of receiving yardage for the whole league, behind only yeah. Antonio Brown. Um, he's he's certainly playing well. He's he's got a bit of Randy Moss about him. I like watching Diggs. He does. I, I do too. Alrighty, let's go on to the next. So we saw a bit of a, a bit of an unexpected um, close game here. The Patriots oh. just beat the Texans. It took Tom Brady doing Tom Brady things to get them over the line. Man, that defense is really ordinary. Really oh, yeah, look, ordinary. 
You know, we talk about the AFC, uh, the NFC being a crapshoot. I think the AFC is a bit of a crapshoot this year. There are no, with the exception of Kansas City, there are no teams that I'm looking at in the AFC like, man, these guys are legit. No, nah, I agree. They're going to be locks for like playoff contenders. How many? Sorry, every team has holes. Yeah, oh, spot on. Like, but how many times do you reckon you've looked at without seeing the overall score? How many times do you reckon you look at a box score and go? Tom Brady, 25 of 35 for 378 yards, five touchdowns and no picks, and go, huh, the Patriots only won by three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you summed it up really good there. Like, it just, and, and it was a comeback as well. It, yeah. wasn't, it, it wasn't like um, they were in front all day. I just, I, I can't buy into the Patriots really doing any damage unless they can fix that defense because it is... Really the, bad. If the, D's, Desha- the D's are a hot mess right now. If Deshaun Watson is leading an offense to put up 33 points on you, um, what's going to happen when you get someone like an Aaron Rodgers or a Matt Ryan? Exactly. Remember just two weeks ago when... Um, what's it, Alex what do you call Smith. It? No, not Alex Smith. I was going to say um, Tom Savage. Look, oh, look, yeah. at what, look at what happened with the Texans. And oh. in two weeks, they've gone from being a, being a mess to, to having... Look, they looked pretty bloody good. Yeah, well, um, we'll have to on, wait. On Monday, I was... Have to wait and see. But as I said, I can't put any stock into the Patriots with that defense. But while they've got Tom Brady, they've got a shot. Now we've got a bit of an AFC East showdown here. I don't think anyone expected the Jets to get a win so soon in the season. <laughs> no, and again, this is another one that kind of surprised me. Um, I thought I, you know, I didn't think the Dolphins are fantastic. But I thought no, they I would deal with the bad. Jets. Yeah, I thought they would deal with the Jets. Adam Gaze actually came out interestingly and said that he was like he is so sick of watching his offense play like this. Yeah, no, I did hear that. I did hear those comments. Um, look, it's it's one of those where they have so much more talent than the production they're getting. I mean, Jarvis yep. Landry, Devontae Parker, um, they got Kenny Kenny, Kenny Steels, JJ. Exactly. So that look, Cutler should be getting better results than what he's what he's doing. That being said, he's only been in the system a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, it's a wait and see with Miami. I'm not gonna be holding my breath. I don't really think they're that good a team. No. I think their their time sort of came and went a few years ago when they they went all in on a few free agents and it went bust. And they tried doing it a few years in a row and it sort of was bust, bust, bust. No, I think Moving- I think you spot on. Let's go to the Giants versus the Eagles in NFC East showdown. And look, the Giants they 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 certainly t- um, took it up to Philly in the in the final quarter, but it wasn't wasn't enough. No, I mean you put up twenty four points in the final quarter to keep it respectable, but uh, the first three quarters of this game pretty much how I expected it to go. This Giants offense is just so anemic. It's really really it's not. They great. don't have a running game. They don't no, have a running game. It's non-existent. Brandon Marshall's not what he what he um, was advertised as. No, Sterling Shepard is okay, but he's nothing special. Odell Beckham needs to stop doing stupid celebrations in the end zone because <laughs> they cannot afford any fifteen yard penalties. No, nah, they need all the help they can get. So look, I thought they did look. To be honest, they did well to keep it this close. To be honest with you, um, I thought it, Philadelphia sh- was just going to roll straight over them. Yeah, and shout out to the kicker, Elliot, from Philly. Oh, because, yeah. I mean, a 61 yarder 61 as time yards. expires, and that's to win the game. That's so, crazy. 
yeah, it's that's a heck of a kick, yeah. especially in an open air stadium. Yep, I you're spot on. Shout out to him. That's probably one of my favourite points of the week. I think. Yeah, probably of the season so far. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true too. But let's go to the Saints versus the Panthers, an NFC South showdown, and the Saints just issued a beatdown on Carolina. Well, I hate to say I told you so because I didn't get a chance to actually say it on air last week, but you can verify that <laughs> I did. was calling this for, for some time. Um, I'm not convinced about Carolina. Uh, I'm really not. You know, They've played two very ordinary teams, um, and you know the, the defense finally comes up against Drew Brees or you know an offense that's actually competent. Um, and this is what happens. Now, look, I didn't expect it to be quite as bad as this, uh, but I definitely had the Saints. So, you know, it's going to be interesting going forward. I still don't think the, the Saints are going to really do any damage. Their defense is really not uh, good. Their, their defense is terrible. It's like, not like you said, Cam Newton, he's... Um, I certainly think since his MVP season, he has dropped back considerably. I have him mid-range in the in the quarterback rankings I don't really think he's that good a quarterback and in to a degree I think he's been found out yeah it's really hard for a guy like Newton who is a he throws less than 60% completion over the course of his career so when you when you're not making that many completions you need to be making explosive plays and at the moment he's doing neither no, so, was good to see concern. was good to see Christian McCaffrey get over 100 yards receiving though happy to see that no, good step for the young for the young rookie, that's for sure. Uh, all right, Nads, let's move on to the next game. Uh, Seahawks-Titans. Uh, interesting. It, it uh, looked like for a while there that it was over and done with, but uh, the Seahawks made a game out of it in the end. Made a huge game of it, and I guess you can almost say that Tennessee got lucky in the end, but look, this is a huge win for Tennessee. They really needed it. Um, Seattle are in a bit of trouble right now because, look, I know that they're one and two. They've had two games away. They've lost both of those. The biggest concern for Seattle is their defense just isn't clicking right now at all. Yeah, look, obviously in this game it didn't click, and they certainly haven't been back to what you've come to expect from Pete Carroll's defense. Um, but they, you know, they held Aaron Rodgers for the whole game basically, so they're not at that bad. What I haven't seen with, with the Seahawks yet is when the offense and the defense play well on the same day. Yeah, they haven't had that complimentary football yet. And that offensive line for the Seahawks, they're, oh. they're in, it's a dumpster fire it's right a now. They, they, they cannot run the ball at all. No, nah, it's, it's really ordinary. And I, I feel for Russell Wilson. That man is getting hunted. Yeah, as good as Russell Wilson is, I don't think he's a quarterback that you can rely on to throw like 40, 45 times a game like your Aaron Rodgers or your Tom Brady because uh, he, to me, the way that Seattle need to do is they need to be able to lean on some type of running game because that's when Wilson can get out and he can start running a bit more of the read option. They can get out throwing their, their dink and dunk West Coast stuff to Doug Baldwin and that's when they really get going. But they just haven't been able to open up the offense because their running game is non-existent. Yeah, it's 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 really ordinary. Um, all right, let's keep moving, Nads. Another, another game that people kind of... You know, a little bit unsure about and, and certainly weren't expecting this result. Uh, Bengals going down in overtime to the Packers. Well, the Packers got out of jail. 
this is one that you look at and you think, how did the Green Bay end up winning this game? Because the Bengals, they missed a few field goals. Um, so that it really did cost them in the end. Yeah, and look, I'm genuinely surprised. Um, I, I do not rate Cincinnati at all. Um, having said that, if they can somehow get their offense clicking like this every week, they might have a shot. Their defense is actually quite good. Um, Geno Atkins is a monster. Um, so, you know, maybe if they can get this offense going, then they're in with a shot. But you're talking, they still haven't had a touchdown at home after playing two games. Two full games, they haven't scored a touchdown. Yeah, it's a little, it's concerning to say the least. Uh, let's keep moving back to the, another AFC West showdown. Uh, Chiefs and the Chargers. Yeah, look, this this isn't a real surprise to me. I mean, the, the Chiefs sort of were leading for the, the most part of the game. They got out to an early lead and then Kareem Hunt got a nice oh. a nice long touchdown in garbage time, which not only sealed the game, it also sealed my fantasy fate for that weekend <laughs> with a loss. Mate, that the, the dude is a monster. Yeah, Absolute look, he's, monster. He's the MVP of the year so far after three games, and I, I'm not going to crown anyone after three weeks, but he's certainly the guy that stood out to me the most, that's for sure. No, 100% right, and it just it's scary. He's played three games, three games, and he's bossed all of them. Yep, and Kansas City, who would have thought they're the only side um, in the AFC after three weeks who are undefeated? And there's no sign of them uh, slowing down anytime soon, so we'll have to keep watching. Uh, the Chargers, I'm not going to talk about too much right now because they're going to come up in the, the slam dunk, so we'll, we'll leave that for now. Uh, but we will keep moving, and I'm sure you've been waiting to talk about this one, Nads, your beloved Raiders. Oh, Go, man. Going it was, it was, down. It was bad. It was bad. Um, as soon as Carr threw that first interception... On, on his first drop back of the day, I was like, oh, geez, here we go. And I was, it, it was one, th- it was just a case of where every possible mistake that could have happened did. Like they would get a first down and then it would get held back, a call back from a penalty. And then they would have a, that they would get called into like third and long, second and long. And it was just, it was, they couldn't stay on schedule. And because they couldn't stay on schedule, they were sort of chasing the game. And I didn't like some of the play calling, especially when they got down into the into the red zone. They were down by, I think, maybe it might have been 17 points. And they elected to take a field goal after passing it three times from inside the five when you've got Beast Mode, who, by all accounts, will just run it up the middle there. It's um, back in Seattle all over again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But Amari Cooper's got a case of the drops. So he needs to he needs to get his proverbial together. Yeah. Um, but look, I, I don't think I'm going to look at that that game and say, look, that's that's what the Raiders are because I don't think they are, and I certainly think the Redskins played out of their skin. Um, it, it's one of those that you just chalk up and you say, okay, on to the next. Yeah, I think it's it's certainly not panic station to the Raiders. If you come out and deliver another game like that, then you might start worrying a bit. The two things that stood out for me, number one, the Raiders 0 of 11 on third down. It was literally it was horrible. Didn't complete horrible. a single third down. Um, and the other thing that stood out, we kind of touched on it already, Marshawn Lynch, six carries. Collectively, yeah. you ran the ball 11 times, not counting Derek Carr. Yeah, it was it was a really odd game. They just They couldn't get anything going. And then it seemed like very early on when they got down, they tried to chase. It felt like they were chasing the game and the game plan almost just went out the window. And 
based on what I've been looking at from the video footage, it seemed like Washington were running a lot more zone than they had in previous weeks. So, yeah. which also is exactly what Kansas City have been running on Derek Carr in the past few years with a lot of success. So it's going to be interesting if teams try to replicate that going forward. One thing I do want to talk about real quickly on this one, are the Redskins legit? Oh, you know, you're based off that game. No Jordan Reed, no Fat Rob, and they still go and, go and absolutely beat you down. Um, look, they've, they've got a few pieces in place, and I like what Jay Gruden's doing. That being said, look, uh, Kirk Cousins looked like an all-world beater out there. I mean, he was getting like in the process of being sacked a few times, and he was still completing like passes right on the money. I don't think we're going to see Kirk Cousins play that well for the rest of the season. No, it, yeah. It's one of those where, you know, just the rhythms are just all on point for Washington and the rhythms were just completely off for the Raiders. And when that happens, you get a game that looks a lot more lopsided than what the actual talent um, differential is. No, I tend to agree. I mean, look, in reality, watching that game, the Raiders should have been shut out. That should have been a complete shutout, um, but didn't quite go that way. But it just for me, the Redskins, they were brilliant against the against you guys as we've talked about i'm still not sold on them though you know we've seen them play three games they lost to philadelphia albeit that was a fairly close game until the very end then they beat the rams but you know they're the rams Rams, yeah (laughs) um and then you know obviously the performance against oakland was outstanding i think we'll really find what they're made of this week against the chiefs in arrowhead but we'll have to wait and see yeah, look, if they win that game, then you you have to say, look, this team's legit. And if they win this week, I would put them in the box seat to win um, the NFC East right now. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Definitely. All right, let's get on to the last game of the week. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys comfortably getting past the Cardinals. And I want to ask you, Nads, do you think the Cardinals are rebuilding? Well, they lost so many pieces in, in free agency this past past off season that you would have to say that they're they're in a bit of a no man's land because they've got a quarterback who's like bought closer to 40 than he is a rookie in Carson Palmer you know so he's not going to be around for much longer you've got Larry Fitzgerald who's their best receiver and he put he put up a clinic 13 catches 149 yards and a touchdown and I had him on my bench in fantasy mind <laughs> you. you know so I, I had a really good week you did um <laughs> look for mine I, I just I think they're rebuilding. You know, they barely got past the Colts last week. Barely. By all accounts. We say that they're rebuilding, but how can you say that they're rebuilding when they've got a quarterback that's like more or less like Sorry. almost 40 years old? Let me and re- their, top, their top receiver is another guy who's like 35. This is my point. Let me rephrase. They should be rebuilding. Yes, they should be, but I'm not convinced that they are. And I don't think the front office want to actually admit that they need to. And that's part of the problem. As you look at this um, box score, and, and the game as well, if you guys watch the game, but you look at the box score alone, Larry Fitzgerald has 13 catches for 149 yards and a touchdown. Beyond that, you've got Andre Ellington with a few catches out of the backfield, and then it's getting into really ordinary, ordinary talent. Jermaine Gresham, who wasn't good three years ago when he was his peak, um, you know, John Brown's obviously not playing. Um, and J.J. Nelson didn't get a catch, which confused me because I thought he was the next best option after Larry Fitzgerald, but for some reason they just didn't want to throw to him. Um, and then you've got you know 70-year-old Chris Johnson out of the backfield averaging less than two yards a carry. 
I just I'll also add Demarcus Lawrence on the Cowboys oh. D line. He is oh. beasting it up right oh. now. Mate, the he, guy can he, play. Yep, he's looking like an absolute all world beater out there. Yeah, I, I mean that that defense has some nice pieces in it when, when yeah, they're all three healthy. sacks. I mean um, like yeah, as you said, three sacks for him. Sean Lee doing his thing. Obviously, he got injured. Um, Jalen Smith, he seems to be doing okay on his long road back. Um, yeah, it's great to see him back and playing. Yeah, so it's certainly one to watch with the Cowboys and see what they can do. Obviously, we know what that offense is capable of. No, exactly. Well, you summed it up really well there, mate. All right, well, that wraps up the week just gone, Nads. Uh, there's one last little tidbit we've got to talk about for, for the week just gone, and that's our picks. Um, so I had a little bit more success than you this mate. I this week, mate. I ended up with ten, and you finished with eight, uh, which puts the total standings on after three rounds. Nads, you've at twenty nine, and I'm on thirty three. So still close, uh, but I've taken a little bit of an early lead. No, you have. I'll run through my picks. So I've got Green Bay over Chicago. Then I've got New Orleans over Miami. Atlanta is gonna run run a muck against Buffalo. Um, I have Cincinnati. Um, they're going to break their wind, uh, their wind drought. And they're going to beat the Browns. Um, Dallas are going to beat the Rams. Just that's going to be closer than what people expect. Um, at the moment, I've got Minnesota beating Detroit. But actually, no, I'm going to change that. We're going to we're going <laughs> to yeah. I'm changing that. I'm going with Detroit in that game. Um, Tennessee are going to beat up Houston. Um, the Patriots are going to get out of jail against the Panthers. Um, the Jags are going to—they're going to look like they did last week. I think they're going to kill the Jets. Um, then we've got Pittsburgh beating Baltimore. Uh, we've got Tampa Bay beating New York. The Giants in that case. Then we've got the Eagles continuing um, the Chargers' winless start to the season. Um, then we've also got Arizona. They're going to be able to beat down on the 49ers, who will start the season 0-4. I think Denver are going to be a little bit too strong for the Raiders in Mile High City. Um, then we've also got Seattle. I think they're going to they're going to send Indy back into the the loss <laughs> column there. Um, I think I don't really think that's going to be a close one. Mm-hmm. And then on Monday Night Football. We've got Kansas City against Washington, and that is going to be a ripper of a game. My predicted score is 20-17 to 17 at Kansas City end up winning. Yeah, that is going to be a cracker. Um, I'll run through mine really quickly. Um, I've got the Packers at home over the Bears. I've got the Saints over the Dolphins, um, the Titans over the Texans, and as you hinted out, the Jaguars are going to absolutely beat up the Jets. Um Patriots, I think, will have too much for the Panthers. I'm going to take the Lions. I'm glad you switched because I think that's... Uh, yeah, and even with Sam Bradford, I'm not not convinced. But I think the Lions are going to come out with a point to prove. Uh, I think the Falcons will be too good for the Bills. The Steelers will do one over on the Ravens. Um, the Bengals will get their first win of the year against the Browns. I think the Cowboys are going to comfortably dispatch of the Rams. I don't buy into the Rams at all. Um, I think the Eagles will... will beat the Chargers, but I'm concerned with some of the injuries they've copped, so I think that's going to be a little bit closer than people might expect. Um, I'm going to take the Buccaneers over the Giants. The I, I'm going to... Otherwise, because we're going to be too similar otherwise, so I'm going to be a little bit different. I'm going to say that the 49ers are going to get their first win of the year against the Cardinals. Big call. Uh, yeah, look, I'd, I'd, I'm not sold on the Cardinals. So 
I think that's a 50-50. Normally, I'd probably give the Cardinals the edge being the home team, but I'm going to go with the 49ers just to spice this up, Nads. Um, uh, the Raiders and the Broncos, I really don't know because I don't know which Trevor Simeon's going to rock up. Um, <laughs> I don't know which Derek Carr's going to rock no, up. No, well, that too. Look, I'm going to pick the Raiders because I think they're going to bounce back uh, and I'm not convinced in Trevor Simeon at all. I hope you're right. Yeah, well, I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, and then, as you said, the Seahawks are going to pants the Colts, and I am so excited for the Monday night game. I think the Chiefs are going to win, but it's going to be a cracker to watch. Yeah, no, that's definitely one I'm going to be tuning into. Um, oh, I'm going to be at work, so I'm going to be flicking, flicking between work and in between patients, that's for sure. <laughs> Look, as we've been discussing earlier in the episode, Dunk's got an absolute roast coming up to Los Angeles football. What have you got? It's the slam dunk. Now, Nads, I'm 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 gonna be Quite honest with Chargers fans here, you're probably not going to like this, but I hope that you can sit and listen and laugh. Um, and to our mate Tyson, who is a passionate... Don't, don't you mean Charlotte? Char- Charlotte, yes. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry in advance, mate, but uh, you guys bring this on yourself. So, the Los Angeles Chargers have not had a great start to their season now. It's their 0-3 and... They've just been doing charges things, really. They find every possible way they can to lose football games. Um, and it, this year has been no exception. But I'm not going to talk about the football side of things. I want to talk about everything else that's going on with this organization. And it is not pretty, my friend. It's not pretty at all. So there's been, in the last two weeks, I'm going to include last week because we obviously didn't get to do the episode. There have been some really, really ordinary things coming out of the charges organization. There are four major points that I want to talk about outside of football for the Chargers. Now, we know that they're going through some tough times uh, and they've had a, a, you know, obviously their recent move um, to Los Angeles hasn't quite gone as planned, shall we say. Um, but there's no excuses for some of these mistakes now. So I want to start with the pre, uh, with the game program. So on game day, you've got a program for the game, much like we do in Australia with the AFL record. Um, you know, talking about what they can expect from the game, doing some nice little editorial things. But they somehow managed to slip in an article, Nads, in their game day program, talking about building a new stadium in San Diego. I don't know if they've remembered, but they've moved to Los Angeles, which is a different town to San Diego. So, I mean, if they want to do what Philip Rivers does and commute every day then go for it. But I would have thought that, you know, you're in Los Angeles. Maybe we should build the stadium in Los Angeles and not San Diego. Uh, I just perplexes, boggles my mind. I'm lost for words at stuff like this. It's just ridiculous that you can make mistakes as blatant as this. And they get worse, Nats. They get worse. So last week, um, winding down, games on the line. They go for the field goal to win it. And they missed the field goal. But the stadium decides to set off fireworks in celebration anyway because they thought they'd won. And in reality, they were celebrating missing a field goal. Nads, what goes through the minds of some of these people? How can you be so stupid? 
How can you be so terrible at your job? I, I just imagine there's like this dude sitting up in the control room of the stadium. He's got one job. It's to set off the fireworks. And he's just so ready to go that he's just like sitting there all going. He's like, yeah, I'm going to smash this. I'm going to push the button. The fireworks are going to go off perfectly. And he gets to his big time to shine. And of course, they missed the field goal. And he doesn't realize he just hits the button anyway. Yeah, the fireworks go. Oh, crap. I shouldn't have done that. I should not have done that at all. That's like a definition of you had one job. Oh, it's so bad. And it just, it pains me. I feel so sorry for Chargers fans because you guys have to deal with this, this stuff week in week out and it just I my heart goes out to you um, but it keeps going Nats it's not got any better you know they've, they've moved and they're currently playing in StubHub Stadium now StubHub Stadium for those of you that don't know it's a soccer stadium it has about 27,000 seats it's not a football stadium um, it's not huge no, I'll be going there at the end of the year oh, oh lucky you um, but they're struggling to sell it out Nats 27,000 seats they can't fill it and when they do get close to filling it, it's 50% Dolphins fans. You know, Miami yeah, being on the complete other side of the continent. It's Yeah, some, I, I wish I wasn't a Raider fan because with all the Raider fans in LA, the ticket prices were jacked up. I, I had to pay like 700 bucks per ticket. To go and watch the Chargers. That's quite yeah. unfortunate for you, mate. Yeah, I can't, I can't believe I got sucked into doing that. <laughs> just this, this, this particular point goes beyond just the Chargers, though. This is directed at football in Los Angeles. The USC Trojans played Texas uh, a week ago now, and that game got more fans to it than the Rams game and the Chargers game combined. So the USC, fa- the USC game had more fans attending it than both the Chargers and the Rams. And that's a college game. So that tells you everything you need to know about football in South uh, California. If you're not a Raiders team... if Sorry, if you're not the Oakland Raiders, you're wasting your time in Los Angeles, really. And that's the reality that these two teams are now finding themselves in. Um, and I, I don't see this getting any better, Nats. I really don't. Um, and, and the you know, these colossal boneheaded mistakes have kept spilling over and they happened again this week. Instead of just, you know, owning it and taking whatever, you know, whatever comes with the territory of being an NFL footballer and an NFL franchise, before the game uh, on the weekend, the Ra- the uh, Chargers, instead of having the players' names introduced as they came running out of the tunnel, as you see with most home teams do regularly, uh, the Chargers elected not to do that because they were concerned that the supporter base was going to boo the players when they called out their names. So I think that tells you everything you need to know about the Chargers as an organization, where they're headed, and what the fan base thinks of the front office and the players. And it's, I, as I said, I'm my heart goes out to you, Chargers fans. Yeah, look, the football in LA, the way that it was brought back, is it's been so poorly handled, it's ridiculous. So I, I really... I look at it and I think it's it's not going to work. Um, we're not going to see a case of like thirty years down the track teams are going to leave. Uh, I'd, I'd find it very hard to believe that the Chargers are going to be a success in Los Angeles. I think the Rams have a better hope because they've got more of a, a talent base there because they were there for like fifty odd years. Um, but people don't want to watch football on Sunday in Southern California unless it's the Raiders. It's it's really that simple. Um, you look at Southern California as like as a, as a general area, and 
they like their baseball. They've got the Dodgers. I'm not going to talk about the Angels because <laughs> no one follows the Angels. Um, then come come October through June, July, it's basketball season. Yep. So it's all about the Lakers and the Clippers. Yep. And the Clippers are, I'm talking, they're, they're low, but the Chargers and the Rams are even lower. Yep. You know, and then you've got, you've got college football with USC, UCLA. You know, that's one of the biggest rivalries in, in college football. So it, it's just, there isn't a spot for pro football in the LA market that that isn't the, the, the Raiders and the Rams. That trying to fit the Chargers in there really in it's going to be looked at in hindsight as one of the boneheaded moves and you wait when the raiders move to las vegas in a few years time they're going to take fans from southern california away from the Chargers and the rams because everyone is going to be wanting to go to that new vegas stadium yeah i think the biggest mistake that was made out of all of this was moving two teams to the area at the same time exactly. i could as, as you said i can understand the rams moving there they've got the history there and if you just left it as one team over time, the fan base would just become Rams fans. But because you've got two teams now, there's just a divide between a, a population that already doesn't care. Um, and so you, whatever small group of fans you were going to attract are now split between two teams um, and they're both going to suffer as a result. So, you know, as you said, it's really going to be looked back on as one of the most boneheaded mis- uh, decisions of, of recent times. Yeah, I'm not sorry for the um, for the owners and the the NFL executives one bit in regards to this decision because they orchestrated it from day one. This is exactly what they wanted. They wanted the Rams in LA. They wanted to keep the Raiders out of LA, and they were willing to do anything to make sure that that was going to happen. In the end, it's resulted in the Chargers moving to LA. As a result, it's going to dilute the fan base even more, and it's. <laughs> Look, I don't think anyone could have imagined that it was going to be this bad so far, but it has been, and it's not going to get any better for the foreseeable future. No, it's certainly not going to get any better, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see, and I look, I genuinely do hope that we're wrong, and that we, we have to come and say, look, we're sorry, we got it wrong, but I really can't see it happening. I think it's going to get worse. All right, well, that wraps us up for another episode of Any Given Monday. Make sure that you check us out on Facebook at Any Given Monday Podcast. And we're also on Twitter at Any Given M-O-N-P-O-D. Guys, you can also check us out individually on Twitter. Nads is at HB Nadoni. Uh, and I'm at D-Song, S-O-A-N-G. And also, completely unrelated, but if you don't, you guys should totally follow Foe John Gruden on Twitter. It's fantastic. Yes, it is fantastic. I'm just waiting for another Spider 3 wide banana. <laughs> Look, in the meantime, guys, keep fighting for those inches. Until next week, take care. Bye. He's the